Are you guys ready to go to the land of the self-absorbed and out of touch? If so, follow me. Because tonight, we're going to La La Land. Oh, God, you smell that Southern California air, Chris? <laughs> yeah, it smells great. I was lucky enough to find this hotel on Hotels.net for 97% off. You're not going to believe this place. No, I, I probably won't at that rate. Oh, watch out, there's a log of human shit right there, Chris. I don't want you stepping out. <laughs> Jesus. Follow me. It's right down the block here. It's called the Cecil Hotel, and apparently it's a historic monument. Is this place even open, Bill? Oh, come on. It's not that bad, pal. Let's go inside and see. You first. Uh, of course. After me. Hey, Chris, you got a pen? I think I just saw Kirk Cameron. I want to grab his autograph. seven of the between the cracks podcast i'm your host bill and with me as always is my co-host chris now chris i'm switching things up tonight i have a different question for you tonight's question is are you feeling lucky no can't say that i am and i never do and uh partly because i feel like every time we do one of these things i end up getting the short straw uh, oh but i'm lo- <laughs> but i am loving that positivity tonight that is just what we need for what we're going to be talking about tonight. As you heard in the opening, we're going to be talking about the infamous Cecil Hotel, the monumental hotel that is right in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Now, the Cecil, I must say, has seen better days. The area around the Cecil Hotel is known as Skid Row, which is the home to thousands of homeless Um, And we're dealing with areas of prostitution, drug abuse, tons of crime. None of these things lends itself to a tourist destination spot. Am I right, Chris? (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine anybody uh, would want to stay in a hotel like that, right? (laughs) But that wasn't always the case, was it, Chris? No, no. It was actually uh, when it was first built in uh, 1924 by hotelier William Banks Hanner. It was uh, it was meant to be a destination for you know business travelers and other tourists. You know they put a million dollars into it, and you can imagine back in that day that that that's a pretty penny. Um, and they've you know stained glass windows, uh, alabaster statues, marble in the lobby. I mean this is like this is like the site you see of like any kind of like high end hotel, right? Uh, unfortunately, though, the timing was a little off because being that it opened in 24, just a mere five years later was the Great Depression. And that lasted a little bit of time. So basically they lost, 
you know, this you have this brand new hotel, it's fashionable, and you know, ten years, this whole depression where where it kind of just comes to a halt, I guess. But it wasn't always so. Right, Bill? Because what happened in the forties was it flourished. Oh interestingly enough, yes. I mean as Chris had mentioned, it did survive the Great Depression and actually thrived for a little bit afterwards. So it somehow sustained itself as a tourist destination through the 1940s. So this was the rise of Hollywood and the rise of major motion pictures, stardom, celebrity, all that bullshit. But it didn't last. As the neighborhood declined, so did the hotel's clientele. And by the 1950s, the hotel had gained a not-so-great reputation. It became uh, a residence for the... How do I want to put this, Chris? The criminal minds? Uh, I believe... Um... You mean homeless or uh, residently impaired, I think is the uh, uh, that's the politically uh, correct term, right? I love your politically correct nature. Yeah, so they opened their doors, and I mean, and what, what they did is basically what any business would essentially do, I guess. You know, as they couldn't fill the rooms, they lowered their prices and made them available to people who could uh, or would be interested in staying in this area and could afford it. You know, when you open up your doors to that clientele, it could potentially lead to a number of problems with bringing in the drugs from the outside into the hotel, the prostitution, which you put those factors together that eventually leads to violence, murder, and so on and so forth. Throughout the 50s, it was obvious that the Cecil was in decline. And then leading into the 1960s, the problem had gotten even worse, so much so that the residents had begun calling the Cecil the suicide. That all attract tourists. <laughs> so as we could see, those two decades after the 40s, we're talking about the 50s and 60s, as they saw a decline in the neighborhood and uh, a shady clientele now coming into this hotel, the rate of violence would obviously raise. So, which in turn would lead to, you know, murders, potential suicides. But this wasn't always the case. Now, even if you go back to the late 20s and throughout the 30s, during the Great Depression, we did see a number of suicides in the Cecil Hotel. Now, which would make sense with people in financial despair. Right, Chris? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's It's kind of, and it's funny too, because like, you know, like, I guess... You know, there, I don't know if there's any real popular way of committing suicide, but it seems like back then, like, there was a lot of self-poisoning, which, you know, I think that's a very, like, very old style of, like, I, I think of Romeo and Juliet when I hear, like, self-poisoning, like, like someone goes to, like, a, an apothecary and, like, grabs a vial of poison and, and, you know, just takes it to kill themselves, but, like, yeah, like, it's it's crazy. Like, you look at this list and you realize, oh, my God, it makes perfect sense why all these suicides happen. It does make sense for that time era. But then going into then, you know, I was coming into the recovery of the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, you know, it had garnered this reputation of, you know, a place to, you know, end your sorrows, basically, you know, because then at this point you can get yourself a cheap room. You can, you know, have privacy or, you know, do whatever it is you want to do for a cheap price. And then, you know, if you live in this location, it's obviously better than being homeless. And if you're considering, you know, 
suicide, it's a place to have a private room and a place to carry that out. God, what an ominous feeling it must be like to stay in there one night. Well, that's the crazy thing is that they keep trying to, people keep coming back and we'll get to this down the road, but as of right now, they keep trying to reinvent this place, you know, and you're never going to be able to take away that, like you said, that, that, to use your term, that ominous past. You're just not going to be able to take it away. And it has been labeled now as a historical monument in the city of Los Angeles. So this place is not going anywhere. Oh, you can't even tear it down. Yeah, so there'd be no point in, in trying to buy this place to redo it because everyone's going to always know the past that's there. But like we talked about with that fucking uh, mannequin we talked about, you know, <laughs> like it's just another, uh, <laughs> that mannequin that you married. Uh, it's, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's just another fucking, it's another lure to get people to stay there. And they had actually opened this place up almost like a, a hostel for uh, foreigners, you know, to travel or, or anybody else that wants to travel on a budget. You know, you can stay in downtown Los Angeles, albeit you're on Skid Row, but you can still stay there for relatively cheap. Some discounts as high as 97% off. <laughs> as we, if you can recall in the uh, opening, I did receive a discount of 97.4% off our night's stay. You know, we're talking about all this death, the violence, drug use, all this stuff that's taking place at the Cecil. A lot of it was to ordinary everyday citizens however there were quite a few famous victims and uh criminals that had stayed at the cecil to carry out their plans we'll just do a quick rundown of some of the cases like as we said the cecil was built in 1924 and it didn't take long for the first suicide to happen and that suicide took place in 1931 so a mere seven years after the Cecil was built and opened for business. 46-year-old by the name of W.K. Norton was found dead from ingesting poison capsules. As Chris had mentioned, this is probably due to financial despair of the Great Depression. And then this was followed by you know, suicides taking place in 1932, and 44 so you can see this pattern building you're, you're talking almost almost a suicide a year so then we get our first huge case uh the case of elizabeth short better known in the media as the black dahlia her murder took place in january of 1947 but her murder did not take place at the cecil she was a resident at the cecil at the time of her murder but nonetheless it has that ominous connection to the hotel, so people include it with all of these darker you know, stories of the hotel itself. Now, as many of you will know, Black Dahlia, oh, I'll go by her regular name, her real name, Elizabeth Short, she was a 22-year-old woman who was found murdered on the side of a road, actually, her body was cut in half. So she was severed at the waist, and she was given what they call the Glasgow smile. And that is essentially when someone uses a blade to cut your mouth on the inside of the lip all the way up to the ear, giving the appearance of a smile. So not only that, but her breasts were mutilated, and 
her hands were then posed behind her head and her legs, which were separated, as we said, from the torso, were found spread open directly across from the torso. So somebody put a lot of time and effort into the horrible death uh, which they put upon Elizabeth. So although there have been tons of leads and even some confessions, there hasn't been an actual conviction in the case. Now, at the time of her death, she was having an affair with a married man. You know, this obviously has the signs of uh, a murder that included some passion in the killing. You know, it wasn't just your random killing. They took time to basically tear apart her body. That's fucking crazy. Like, how, like, how, do, you, how do you have it in you to do something like that? You know, you talk about how crazy the world is now, and this would never happen back then. But this shit has happened. It's just like, like now you have all these outlets, all these right. news outlets, and people throwing information at you this way and that way. So all you right. just hear about it so much more frequently now than you did back then. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, a lot of this shit happened back then as well. And I, I mean, and here's yeah, the proof of that. Back then, like, I mean, not that I like media outlets because I really hate them, but like back then, like, there could have been a there could be a mass murder one town over and you just didn't you fucking didn't even know yeah you didn't know yeah it might have just stayed in that local yeah. uh, newspaper and not picked up by the uh, the Associated Press or whatever we might cover the Black Dahlia somewhere down the road and, and the only reason I kind of have interest in covering that is because I did read a report that and I I doubt this is true uh, but that she was a hermaphrodite. So I don't know if that ties into the murder. Maybe she was hooking up with someone and they didn't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't even know if that's true. And I, I doubt that it's probably true, but maybe it's something we might look into covering down the road. Um, but unfortunately, Elizabeth met an untimely uh, death and a brutal death at that. Now, little did we know or little did the Cecil know at the time that that was Pretty much just the beginning. Yeah. I mean, even in that same year, they had another uh, a suicide. Uh, in November of the same year, uh, 35-year-old Robert Smith jumped from a seventh-floor window. Uh, I mean, you just like, this is just insane. It's literally a place where people go to die. It's just, you know, and that's, that's where we're maybe even halfway down the list now at this point of how many deaths and suicides occurred here. Well, you got to figure because, you know, you have, like we said, you have a cheap place to stay. So if you're strapped financially, you still have a place that you can go for a couple, you know, a couple nights. You have privacy, which is something that obviously these people want. And then, you know, and not to sound too morbid, but you have the height, you know, you have the height of this hotel. If you want to jump from a higher location, you, you will easily be able to kill yourself. But, but from that height. But you think at this point, this is not all right. So another death that was in thirty seventh was from the ninth story window, right? So like, they know people are killing themselves, and they go, "Why wouldn't they bar the windows?" Well, this place was so fucking cheap. I think, <laughs> I think at the time, I think at the time they were so so fucking strapped. I mean, if they're just letting in fucking anybody off the street for you know however many fucking bucks a night to stay here. I doubt they're going to reinvest that in a hotel. They're, they're probably just trying to keep their head above water at the time. But it's like... Man, I'd be just... 
you know, once you you got to think, you know, this bad press isn't isn't fucking helping anything either. So you should think like, you know, you open up the paper. Oh, there's a suicide of the Cecil. You know, open up the paper the next day. Oh, there's a murder at the Cecil. Like, it's not like something, you know, let's go down and spend yeah. a couple of days at the Cecil. You know, it's just not going to happen. So, I mean, they just had to play. I mean, I, I, I'm i assuming that they were just, at this point, the hotel's struggling. They're keeping, they're trying to keep their head above water. And did they even give a shit about these residents? I, 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 if I was the owner of this place, I'd be trying to get rid of it. I'd be giving it away. Like, I would not want to be have to deal with this thing anymore. What kind of... I'd be curious. We should we should look up like what their annual sales were, like how much money they were actually making during this time. Because obviously at this point, this is a place where, you know, homeless people are, are like squatter. What uh, transients are coming through, and how many of these people probably just, you know, probably stayed in the room until they were basically thrown out because they couldn't pay. Oh, absolutely. Because as the neighborhood around the Cecil declined and eventually became to what is now known as Skid Row, the homeless population in that and those few blocks are bigger than some, you know, populations in small towns around the U.S. So as that population grew, the tourists stayed away. Nobody was coming there to spend money. So the only people they had probably coming in to rent rooms were either the homeless drug addicts you know prostitutes you know whatever you know you can you can uh you could run a table on that who whatever kind of uh person you think was coming through those doors but it obviously wasn't attracting any kind of tourism and if it does they were probably getting fucked into it by you know like a foreigner reading like oh we got this great hotel for a cheap price right in the heart of los angeles not knowing any better you know like so i mean maybe they could trick a few people into coming there but you know, that's it. And as we find out later on down the road, not too long ago, some foreigners did come there and had quite a terrible time. But we'll get to that. Yeah. One of the interesting things here, too, is if you read, is some of these people die by giving after giving a different name. I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, so in 31, uh, Norton actually, he, he checked in under the name James Willis. And then if you look here... What you talk about? <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? In uh, 1954... So this 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 works perfectly, by the way, because we just jumped after 47 was... You know, so we, we had the Black Dahlia case in early 47. Then in late 47, uh, another suicide jumped from the seventh floor. And now in 54, uh, a San Francisco stationery firm employee, Helen Gurney, or Gurney, uh, 55 years old, she jumps from a 7th floor again, from the 7th floor window and she lands on top of Cecil's marquee uh, one week prior, she registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown so she also used a different name this place has such a fucking bad vibe there's one story of a woman who had successfully attempted suicide by jumping out of a window and lands on a fucking guy and lands on a fucking guy who's walking by. So it's not even like you don't even have to be in this hotel, just in the vicinity of it <laughs> to start having to start having that bad luck of this place and the bad vibe rub off on you. Initially, they reported that they thought that the woman who jumped, whose name was Pauline Otten, attempted to kill um, this guy who was named George Giannini. I guess it was later found out that there was no relationship between them. And the only reason they were able to determine who 
was on the ground at the time of the death was because he was still wearing his shoes. And apparently that's, you know, something they use to to identify the cause of death. You know, I guess if it's a suicide from, you know, a higher level. That your sh- floor, yeah. Yeah, your shoes would eventually maybe fly off or come off on impact. You don't even have to be a resident at this hotel. You just have to be in the surrounding area for this thing to come out and fucking grab you. Oh, man. Can you imagine if she survived and he died because he broke her impact? Oh, my God. But, like, you're talking ninth, ninth floor, right? So that's... Would, then, 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 that would, then that would still fall under this category, murder or suicide Yeah, in this right. Place. should be a murderer. Um, yeah, I mean, ninth, ninth floor, Jesus. So that's... Assuming that the standards were the same back then, that's what, like 90 feet, right? It's like 10 feet of floor, isn't it? Yeah. That's Jesus. Can you think about jumping 90 feet and, like, no. landing on a. Ah, oh, man. <clears throat> but, yeah, so you have suicides and you have suicides causing murders <laughs> because technically that would be considered manslaughter, I guess, like, had she survived. Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, she would have, I mean, uh, unintentional, but nonetheless, she still killed the guy, so she definitely would have been charged at least with uh, manslaughter. Moving into the mid-60s now, and probably one of the top five famous murders that took place on June 4th, 1964, and that was the murder of a woman by the nickname of Pigeon Goldie Osgood. And as we said, this place had opened its self up as a long-term residence for people too you know so it seemed that goldie was living there and one day she was living there for quite some time and then one day she was found dead in her room but not just dead from suicide i mean this woman was bludgeoned she was raped stabbed and beaten severely in her room so now this takes on a whole new level of darkness within this hotel you know now we're not just talking suicide we're not just talking drug overdoses intentionally jumping out of the building we're talking now just cold hard murders taking place within the walls of this hotel yeah the crazy thing about that one too uh, so she she fed birds basically that was she was known for right so in pershing square and they actually found a 29 year old jacques B. Ellinger, and they saw him in the area where she used to feed birds, and his his clothing was was stained in blood. So the the initial reaction was, this this is this guy could be the person who killed her. I always love when I hear stories about you know people walking around with clothes stained in blood. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like has that ever happened to you? I mean, maybe I've gotten like a cut once or <laughs> twice before when I was a kid, but. I don't think I've ever walked around with a shirt full of blood as an uh, adult. you know, uh, nicked the finger. It really went to town on me. <laughs> well, the thing that's crazy is, so they arrested him and charged him with her murder, but then he was later cleared of the crime. So then then what's the blood from? Dude, it's almost like there's no one held accountable for anything that takes place in this hotel. Think of the, the cases that have to happen here in the, in the police force. Like, once they get news of it, because the same precinct or whatever has to deal with these cases. They're probably like, Jesus, and here comes another one from Cecil Hotel. If you're a cop, you probably just parked down a block waiting to get a call. Yeah, you probably, nine times out of ten, case hits the desk, you probably think it's coming from this place. So there's a little bit of a gap now between this murder and then the, the next incident, and that's uh, another jumper, this time from the 12th floor. So I... I don't know if this this might be the actual highest 
jump uh, out of all the other. But you know what? Before we, how high was this, this one? Is the twelfth floor. Shit. And I'm trying to remember here because they did refurbish the place. Did they ever add on? I don't think they added on height wise, but I think they, they. I think it was just a series of remodels. Yeah. Interesting. I guess no one had the guts to go that high. And obviously, just on the interior because the outside looks like shit. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, at the, honestly, who's putting money into this thing anymore? Like, what's the point? But you know, that wasn't the end of it. You know, like so as Chris had said, building up this, we had a few more suicides after the murder of um, Goldie, but now. We start to deal with more infamy. So the next famous or infamous fucking dickhead resident that lived there was Richard Ramirez, known better as the Night Stalker. He had taken up residence in the season for a decent amount of time, and it's believed that he was actually carrying out a majority of his killings, rapes, and murders while he was living at the Cecil. So this guy was going out at night, killing, murdering, coming back to the Cecil, and probably going unnoticed in this neighborhood, right? Because now we're in the mid-80s, I believe. I think this is like 1984, 85. Now the area known as Skid Row has grown even worse. And so he's probably just coming and going, mixing with the crowd. You don't even realize, you know, you probably wouldn't even realize if the guy was fucking covered in blood. So he'd come back after a night of killing, raping, you know, doing God knows what, would come back there to shower, clean up, and then, uh, you know, sleep for the night, go out the following night and do it again, you know? And it's just crazy that his room is actually still available to rent at the Cecil today, which is now called Stay on Main. What are these fucking people thinking? Just close the goddamn place. And I have a surprise for you, pal. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, is probably the most infamous of all the residents of the Cecil. So, I mean, this just tells you what else was probably residing inside of this hotel because as we come to find out you know we're not going to get we're not going to get too in depth on, on to, in the crimes of uh Richard Dickface Ramirez cuz this isn't about him but as we come to find out he is not the only serial killer that took up residence there there was a, another one and he went by the name of Jack I don't know, underwear? <laughs> Jack, Jack, uh, Jack Unterweger, Austrian serial killer who committed murders around the world. So I believe he was killing in Austria. He had then come to Los Angeles. So his MO was basically killing sex workers, prostitutes. So he came to the right area of Los Angeles for that. And they I don't know if they were able to tie him together to all the disappearances and murders of the prostitutes at that time, but I believe there were three missing women from the Skid Row area at the time that Unterweger was taking up residence at the Cecil. Now this guy had gained prominence. He was some kind of writer or some bullshit. I don't know. I don't know what the hell he did. But the evidence of his killings, you know, were tied together by some kind of meticulous knot that he would use to tie the woman's bra around her neck to kill her 
with. And the odd thing is, when he was extradited back to Austria for facing murder charges there, he hung himself in his cell like a fucking pussy. Yeah, craziness. So, tons of suicides, you know, a couple murders, you know, you have... Now, there's still one yet to come. <laughs> one more to come, which is probably the most... God, what do we want to say? The most... I mean, this ha almost has... Probably the most it, bizarre, that's it, for it sure. Most, the most bizarre, and it's almost taken on a little bit of a paranormal aspect to it as well. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine this place, with all the stuff that's happened in it, if anything's going to be haunted, it's going to be this goddamn place. Uh, with all the suicides that happen there and murders. I mean, then you... I mean, because then you're not only dealing with, like, murders. I mean, you're, you, you have two actual serial killers with Ramirez and fucking underwear staying there you know like you have that i mean it's just an escalation through the decades i mean we started with you know so su you know suicides through poisoning suicides through jumping out of windows then we had the murder of you know the bludgeoning of goldie um prior to that we had the the murder of the black dahlia which took place say outside of the hotel she's but nonetheless she's connected to the hotel because she was taking up residence there at the time of her murder. So you could just see through the times from the 30s to the 40s and 50s and 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, I mean, this place just has a fucking shitload of, of, of dark history attached to it. And it's yeah. getting worse. It just gets worse. Yeah, yeah. It gets worse as time goes on. And so the last case that we just spoke of there was in the 90s right so now we're jumping pretty far ahead into 2013 and we have the mysterious death of Alyssa Lamb and this one is really I mean this one is all over the internet and it's, it's very interesting and we might cover the case by itself one day but you know, for what we're doing here tonight, this is just about the Cecil Hotel and all the bizarre and dark things that take place in, in, within the walls of that hotel. But why don't you tell us a little bit about the story of uh, Alisa Lamb, <laughs> Chris? Thanks for leaving this one for me, Bill. Uh, so she is uh, a resident of Canada. You know, just a brief background. She travels alone on Amtrak and some inner city buses and she visits the san diego zoo uh, which she took pictures of on social media but then on january 26th she heads to or arrives in los angeles so after two, two days she checks into this cecil hotel now maybe being from canada not around the area you don't hear a tourist you gotta wonder how she finds out about this place right so does she, you know, this this place has got a, is pretty well known for its incidents. I can imagine. I bet I know. <laughs> the fucking price. Yeah, you know, you're probably right. I mean, you could probably go and stay there. What, fifty bucks? You know, maybe sixty, seventy dollars a night to stay in Los Angeles. I mean, that that's. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I would be tempted. <laughs> I would be tempted to stay there for that much. Depending on the rat and roach situation. I can't handle any bugs. <laughs> so she she's a student, right? She's, so she's she's young. She's she's only 21 years old. Something that's very cheap is going to be very appealing to somebody who's young. And 
you know, maybe not knowing any better, she stays at this place. And the odd thing is, there's no, you know, there, there's no jumping from a window to commit suicide. And there's no, what, what appears to be, you know, any type of um, foul play or, or, or somebody that was after her. But something very strange happens. There's footage of her inside of an elevator. And there's it's very mysterious, right? Like, well, how would you describe the situation? Like, uh, if you go on YouTube and just search Elisa Lamb elevator footage, it'll come right up. It's one of the most disturbing, just because you, you know the outcome of it, one of the most disturbing pieces of, of video footage to ever be captured on, you know, surveillance film. You know, you know, somebody said that it's almost like she's playing that, what is it, the fucking elevator game, right? Which, you know, supposedly opens up realms to a new world or some bullshit, whatever it is. But what she's doing is she's coming in and out of this elevator and making all these bizarre hand gestures, right? So she's hopping out of the elevator, looking down the right side of the hallway, the left side of the hallway, jumping back in, jumping back out into the hallway, making these hand gestures again, jumping back in. It's almost as like she's hiding from someone. Um, but couldn't obviously be trying to hide from someone when she's making these gestures out in the hallway to someone that could possibly be there and then jumping back in there and think she's hiding. So was it a game that she was playing or was she having some kind of, you know, psychological breakdown? And I mean, I'm more inclined to, to, to lean towards uh, a mental breakdown because it just it, it looks crazy. But then again, you don't fucking know in this place who the hell knows what's going on in this hotel. Yeah, this is weird. So the the creepy thing too is, so I didn't even know you could do this, but apparently in the Cecil Hotel, she actually had assigned a shared room. Now she's coming in by herself, so she's share she's being assigned a shared room with somebody she doesn't know. So her her wacky behavior actually <clears throat> ended up having her moved into her own room after two days, because the person she was with was like, she's. Uh, she's acting weird. I don't, you know, I don't want to stay with her. So, as Bill was mentioning, I wonder what I wonder what the fuck she was doing in that room. Now, it's so weird because you know, like this this could bring us back to like like the situation with the um, Erickson twins, where two seemingly normal lives. Oh, not them! <laughs> not them again! Two seemingly normal, you know, living two seemingly normal lives until they meet each other and then things start getting wacky but like this you know we don't have any accounts of what she was acting like prior to this but she was you know she went to the san diego zoo she took a long amtrak she took buses you know there's she had a lot of interaction with the public i'm assuming during this entire travel but you know it's weird was it this hotel that kind of like triggered something you know like maybe Maybe she, you know, did she go to this place knowing that this place was called or nicknamed the Suicide Hotel? You know, did she plan on committing suicide knowing that? Maybe she she was not happy where she was. If she was suicidal, why all that bizarre behavior? I mean, I, I could understand there's a, a, a breakdown happening, but was she, was this like a drug-induced action or 
was it just a complete mental collapse, you know, was, or, you know, like sometimes, you know, when you enter a place or you're in, you know, a house or you're in a certain situation where you have a, a very bad vibe and that can make your mentality change for the worse. You know, that happens with me. If I'm in a place I don't like, or I feel very uncomfortable, my personality is going to change with it. Now I might not be jumping around in and out of elevators and, you know, fucking around with my hands, but it can happen in, in a lot more subtle ways. And I think that happens in a lot of people, but I think that this girl was probably on the cusp of a breakdown and staying at this fucking place with all these bizarre people and, you know, all this crazy shit that happens in here, it can only act as a catalyst to whatever she was going through. I mean, that's, that's, that's certainly, at least that's what I would think. Certainly a good uh, thesis you have. Oh, thank you. That's certainly. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> but so if you anyway, I, obviously we don't want to dive too much because we may end up covering this. But she's in the elevator. She's pushing freaking all bunch of buttons, but the elevator never, the door never closes. She's just kind of chilling there, and then she keeps peeking in and out, almost like seeing if someone's around the corner. Very very weird, but. This is not the most disturbing part. The most disturbing part you have to come here. The, the fucking weird thing about this elevator, right? So she's hopping in and out, in and out, in and out. And there are some points when she's in the lobby and she's spending an extended amount of time in the lobby where you would think that the elevator door would close, right? Because she's not blocking the door. So obviously the door would close and she was standing in the hallway for a substantial amount of time on at some points where the door would just close. But now it doesn't, right? It stays open for the entire for the entirety of this charade that's going on, you know. And I don't mean charade as if she's faking it. I mean charade as the 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 way she's using her hands and whatnot. Now, the crazy thing here though is once she fucking walks away, right? Once she leaves the elevator, the door just closes. Did you see that in the video? The fucking door just closes out of nowhere after she walks away. So <laughs> now that adds that adds 150 fucking percent to the paranormal aspect of it. You know, how weird is that? You know, or 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 we did think that somebody was just on the outside of the elevator and just pressed the button to close the doors. You know, you don't fucking know. But you know, that, that's just one of the, the many questions of this case, and we won't get too far into it because I think we probably will cover it because it's just, it's just so interesting. The darker aspect of this is yet to come, as Chris said. So what happens next is, unfortunately, uh, Elisa goes missing after this, and she was unable to be located. I think it was upwards of, was it two weeks? I think it was three weeks. Was it three weeks? Um, and then... It, how they ended up finding her body was, you know, obviously Elisa had died, but how they ended up finding her body was just, oh God, fucking terrible. Um, some residents in the hotel had reported that there was low water pressure and that they were, and then when the water was actually flowing, it would come out black and it was like this darkish black color and it had a very foul smell and uh, a unique bitter taste Ugh. and do you want to tell us why it had all these attributes Chris so um, they uh, this complaint about the water obviously leads 
to uh, investigate this in a situation and um, inside this 1000 gallon tank which was providing water to all the guest rooms the kitchen the coffee shop they discover her body in there so they don't discover this until February 19th now she's been missing since I think January 31st is when uh, she was supposed to have checked out and that's when kind of her family starts looking out and seeing where she is so from that point you're talking the three weeks she's been in this tank festering and people are tasting they were drinking her fucking bodily fluids so fucking raunchy like they were just drinking a decomposed body so you can imagine that pieces of skin and uh, internal organs anything else piss shit anything you could imagine is coming through those fucking pipes but here's a question that i don't understand it's like now if water's coming out first off if water fucking smells if it smells and then it's coming out black (laughs) who is taking a fucking sip of that Probably the kind of people that stay at the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> oh, my God. It's you probably don't even question it at that point. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. You probably just think, you know, the the, pot, the, the the pipes are rusty or obviously nobody's taking care of this place, you know? I mean, because if you look at the interior of this place, it doesn't look so well kept. I mean, as of now, as it's the new place, Stay on Main, I think it's called, it looks like they put down some new tile and, it, you know... It looks fine, I guess, but I've seen some videos on YouTube of the rooms, and uh, they're nothing to write home about. So, yeah, I guess if you did, did see, you know, some bizarre water coming out of the uh, the faucet, I guess you wouldn't be too surprised. Especially if they're charging you a fucking dollar a night. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, man, we're talking about now <laughs> this hotel... I mean, it opened in the 20s, right? So you had your first suicide in the, what did we say, the early 30s, right? So that you, you have a hotel opening in the 20s. You have suicides and murders taking place throughout the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. And a serial killer staying in the 80s. Another fucking serial killer staying in the 90s. More suicides. And then this poor girl, Elisa... You know, succumbing to whatever happened to her. And then even after her, there was another suicide in 2015. Now, I think that is the last suicide that has taken place at the hotel, which, like, as we said, is now called Stay on Main, which is a fucking lame name. I mean, could they come up with something, (laughs) just something a little better? Um, But anyway, I think they're supposedly under contract with uh, some movie company to you know make a film at this place so they're very tight-lipped about anything that goes on there i don't even think you're supposed to you know walk around the halls with uh cameras or you know your cell phone camera at this point well the cool thing is uh i'm sure you've heard of american horror story yeah so they actually their season five is was inspired by this hotel it's called the season their season five is called hotel 
I can't watch any of these shows. I just hate any type of fucking TV show. I need to watch movies. There's a beginning and an end. Yeah. No, I hear you. I usually watch movies mostly, but I did catch a couple episodes of one of these seasons. Why was I so, why was I so passionate about that? <laughs> Jesus. Calm down. It's going to be all right. De- death and murder, and I'm getting passionate over a fucking TV series. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the cool thing is it's just each season is completely unrelated to the next, so you don't have to, like, you know, like, that's the one thing I hate the most about shows. Someone goes, oh, did you see Game of Thrones? I was like, oh, how many seasons is it? Uh, it's about 205. You know, like, I'm not going to watch that. I don't have that kind of time. You know, like, but the good thing about this is if you missed one season, you don't have to see them all. But anyway... So it's like updated, like it's so it's taking place in the eighties and nineties, and it, the American Horror Story. Yeah, it depends on on which season it is. Like it could. Well, the one the one that's taking place uh, off of uh, off this movie, the Cecil. I mean, yeah. Off so this... off, off of this hotel. So is it taking place like in the thirties or is it supposedly like current? Uh, it takes place in two thousand eleven in uh, Ooh. Los Angeles. Well, you just, you just sold me. I'm gonna watch this fucking show. Well, they don't they don't really ever do it based on. They don't normally follow true facts to anything. It's usually just pretty made up stories, like supernatural things. All right, but, fuck it. I'm not gonna watch it. But yeah, man. I mean, it's the, this this hotel obviously has, definitely has a bad vibe. But you know, you you're talking about an area of people that are just you know. The whole area of Skid Row is down and out, so you you know you have plenty of people that are depressed, probably plenty you know, and you have plenty of people that are chemically dependent. You have prostitution, all this other shit that's going to lead to more problems in your life. So you're in an area that has problems. So it, that and those problems are going to make them manifest themselves from the outside to the inside, especially if these people start living there and staying there. So and then it's going to garner that reputation. And then it's going to bring in more people, and then you're going to have the series of events that that we've had. You know, obviously there's something darkly rooted in this place, and I would honestly want no fucking part of it. Wait a minute. Oh no! <laughs> no, no, Wait no, a minute! No, you know no. where I'm going to go with this. Not this shit again. So, you have to stay in three rooms, three nights, three okay. rooms. All right. The first room you'll be staying in is the room where Pigeon Goldie Osgood was actually murdered, where they found her body. Uh, okay. All right. You have to stay in Richard Ramirez's room, where he he okay. supposedly may have killed somebody in that room. And you have to stay in... The room that Alyssa Lamb stayed in. Three nights. Okay, so let me run this down. Three Three nights, three different rooms. Richard Ramirez, I don't... Fuck him. Little asshole. (laughs) Um, So I'd probably be angry staying in there, so I I could survive that one. Goldie... I mean, that was a brutal murder. I don't really know her. Know much about her. So I think I could block it out. I think I could make it through the night there. All right, so that's two nights. I think I can make it. Now, the big one though is Alyssa Lamb's room, because this 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 one really bothers me. I, I don't like it. I don't like the looks of that video. Ugh, I don't feel comfortable staying in this Alyssa Lamb room. So, uh, but I think I could do it. Three nights, 
I'm not going to go too crazy here. Three nights. Three nights, $20,000. Alright. I mean... I could do given, it. Given this... But I'm, I'm telling you, if one thing happens in the Alyssa Lamb room, I'm, I'm running out. I don't like it. I don't. I just something about that. I don't yeah, like. Yeah, that one is the creepiest one I think out of the whole thing. Um, twenty thousand. Three nights, twenty thousand. Right. That's that's a steal. What do you think? Did I sell myself short? I, I'm gonna do fifty thousand. I think because as much as there's too much history behind this place. There's so many suicides. Fuck. And that whole thing. Oh, by the way, you already locked in that price. Yeah, so. God, I'm locked. <laughs> no, but I, I just think there's the place is, was built in '24. You know, it's got it's gonna have that old feel to it. It's ominous because of all the mur all the uh, suicides and. I'll tell you what. I'd have a very hard time staying in the Black Dahlia's room too. I don't like the pictures of her. Right. Even though she, she looks... wasn't killed there, I, I no. almost picked that one for you too. Yeah, but. she's she's very creepy looking man I, I i just don't like the whole i mean and, and it's such a famous case and it's unsolved i don't like any of it oh, but I especially it. i especially don't like the lisa lamb case that one bothers me but but if black if the black dahlia murder happened in her room where she was dismembered like that that would change everything yeah i now 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 i fucked myself but going twenty thousand dollars <laughs> yeah you are locked in at that rate I've had it with this hotel. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let me do a little something they don't do there. A little house cleaning. So let me uh, give you guys the rundown. If anybody ever wants to get in touch with us, just once, before we cancel this fucking podcast, uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, email us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at at the Between the Cracks podcast, or you can reach us on Instagram, again, at Between the Cracks podcast. So we're everywhere. Drop us a line. And we'd love to hear from anyone that may have been or seen the Cecil Hotel. Absolutely. Yeah, if you awesome. have any stories uh, from within the walls of the Cecil, let us know. We'd uh, love to hear about it. But I can't take another second of this fucking place, Chris. I don't know about you, but I think it's time we get the fuck out of here. I am with you on that. Let's fucking split. Radio Ray. We will see you guys next week. Per numero ocho.